We are now half of the way through a month that some may consider halfway through the year. Many of these observations are arbitrary, but it is definitively June 15th, 2022, and this is the equivalent installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. What shall we learn today? Stay tuned and let me know if you did. On today's program, the Charlottesville Economic Development Authority learns more about the city's lease with the S&P Global Building downtown. A key document for the third phase of the Seaville Plans Together initiative will be released tomorrow. A major toy manufacturer is set to open a factory in Chesterfield, providing over 1,700 jobs. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency issues a warning on forever chemicals in drinking water. And the Charlottesville Planning Commission recommends a special use permit for 11 homes in the section of the Belmont neighborhood inside a mixed-use urban zoning district. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, it's getting very close to the technical end of springtime, and one Patreon subscriber wants you to know that the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives campaign is a grassroots initiative of motivated citizens, volunteers, partner organizations, and local governments who want to promote the use of native plants. Did you know that National Pollinator Week is coming up next week, June 20th through June 26th this year? There are many ways to celebrate and learn more about our native pollinators. And here's a great one to start with. The Lewis Ginter Botanical Garden is hosting an in-person virtual pollinator power symposium on June 23rd, and there is an excellent lineup of speakers scheduled for the day. There are plenty of resources on the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page, so sign up to be notified of lectures, plant sales, and more. Charlottesville's Office of Community Solutions continues to review leases the city has with third parties who rent space. Council held a work session on the topic in May and learned that until now there was no central place in city government entrusted with keeping track of leases for about 145,275 square feet of floor space and about 50 acres that are under ground lease. One of those buildings is a five-story structure currently occupied by a branch of S&P Global, an international company that does research into economic and business issues. According to the May presentation, the city's Economic Development Authority takes in $240,000 a year in rent, but the property's market value could be as high as $1.5 million. Here's Chris Engel, the city's Economic Development Director. The S&P Global Building started its life as the National Ground Intelligence Center. Uh, some of you have been in Charlottesville a long time and remember that. Essentially, it was built in the 60s by the federal government and occupied by the, the Army. In the 1990s, the National Ground Intelligence Center moved to a larger and more secure location at the Ravana Station in northern Albemarle County. Uh, at that time, the city was concerned about the loss of um, activity that that building created. Uh, and went and petitioned the federal government, the General Services Administration, to uh, have them gift the building, essentially, to the city. The city entered into a lease with the Economic Development Authority, and the EDA offered up a 30-year lease to a company that used to be called SNL Financial, which then took the space to consolidate its offices into one place rather than be scattered across multiple locations downtown. 
A company that would later be renamed S&P Global purchased the company in July of 2015 for $2.2 billion. Engel said the EDA's lease with S&P Global is about two-thirds of the way through. The way the lease is structured is that all the burden is on on them to manage the facility, maintain the facility, uh, everything. Uh, We essentially do nothing from a physical standpoint. Engel said S&P Global has earned upfit credits for about $9 million worth of investments put into the building at the beginning of the lease. Those credits are are nearly running out. Um, They're not quite all the way run out. Uh, They have actually just qualified for uh, about three and a half million dollars of additional rent credits. And they replaced the boilers, they replaced the roof, uh, the chilling system, the elevator system, they added fire protection. When the credits do run out, Engel said S&P Global will pay closer to market rate. Council will have a further discussion on city-managed leases coming up at a upcoming work session. On Thursday, the city will publish a document intended to set the stage for the final portion of the Seville Plans Together initiative. James Fries is the Director of Neighborhood Development Services for the city of Charlottesville. So this is the uh, Diagnostic and Approach Report. Fries briefed the Charlottesville Planning Commission at the beginning of their meeting on Tuesday. An open house to explain the document will be held on June 27th at the Charlottesville Pavilion, an event for which Fries said the city will validate parking. We look forward to a lot of conversations with the community, with all of you and whoever else chooses to show up um, at that meeting. The new zoning code is expected to make it easier for more dense development in the city. That's a major goal of the new comprehensive plan adopted by council last November. The zoning rewrite may also offer more guidance for rules and regulations about housing affordability. Direction for that comes from the Affordable Housing Plan adopted by Council in March of 2021. This first report uh, kicks off our uh, three-step process for the zoning rewrite. This report is, as I've referred to it before, kind of the conceptual plan of the new zoning ordinance. It lays out the ideas. Um, It it talks about uh, what we need to do to change our zoning ordinance in order to advance implementation of the comprehensive plan and the affordable housing uh, plan. A joint meeting of the City Council and the Planning Commission will be held in September to confirm the next steps in writing up the new ordinance. A first draft will be the second step, followed by a review of a final draft next spring. In May, Planning Commissioner Hosea Mitchell got a preview at the closed-door meeting of the Land Use and Environmental Planning Committee. That consists of top planning staff from Albemarle, Charlottesville, and the University of Virginia. The rewrite of our code is not form-based code, but as Mr. Breeze mentioned a couple times, it does contain form-based elements. In general, form-based code refers to a series of rules and regulations to govern building envelopes. We'll hear much more about those details as the conversation continues. Meanwhile, there is an active lawsuit in Charlottesville Circuit Court against the City Council for adopting the comprehensive plan. Among other things, that suit argues that the city failed to provide a transportation plan. There's a hearing on July 15th on a motion to force the plaintiffs to identify themselves, followed by another hearing on August 26th. The United States Environmental Protection Agency today has issued four advisories on the potential for forever chemicals in water supplies. 
The term PFOS covers per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, which are used in the manufacture of many products people use every day, such as nonstick cookware, food packaging, electronics, and more. These substances do not break down and can accumulate in the human body and blood over many years and have been linked to cancer and other autoimmune diseases. These substances do not break down and can accumulate in the human body and blood over many years and have been linked to cancer and diseases that affect the immune system. Here's a section from a press release announcing the next steps. The updated advisory levels for PFOA and PFOS, which are based on new science and consider lifetime exposure, indicate that some negative health effects may occur with concentrations of PFOA or PFOS in water that are near zero and below EPA's ability to detect at this time. The lower the level of PFOA and PFOS, the lower the risk to public health. This fall, the EPA will issue new regulations on drinking water related to this topic. There's also $1 billion in funding for states and localities to install equipment in drinking water supplies to filter out the substances. The Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority has applied for a $21 million grant to remove the contaminants by upgrading filtration systems according to the May 22 agenda. Will everything be awesome in Chesterfield County's near future? Governor Glenn Youngkin has announced that the Lego Group will open a 1.7 million square foot manufacturing plant in Chesterfield County's Meadowville Technology Park. Youngkin is quoted in a news release saying that the project will provide more than 1,760 jobs and will bolster Virginia's manufacturing industry. The $1 billion investment is spurred by $56 million from the state's Major Employment and Investment Project Grant Program. Such a fund has been established by the General Assembly, and that figure depends on LEGO providing every one of those jobs. There's also another potential for $19 million in state funding for site development costs that will also require approval by the legislature. The Lego company was founded in 1932 and remains a family-run company headquartered in Denmark. Their primary product is plastic construction blocks. Here's the narrator of an announcement of a new website for people who might like to work at the new plant. These cherished play experiences are being made in factories across the world, keeping up with the continuously high demand. Soon, they'll be manufactured right here in Virginia. Applications for positions will be taken later this year, and the Virginia Economic Development Partnership will use the Virginia Talent Accelerator Program to recruit potential applicants. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Have you been thinking of converting your fossil fuel appliances and furnaces into something that will help the community reduce its greenhouse gas emissions? Your local energy nonprofit, LEAP, has launched a new program to guide you through the steps towards electrifying your home. Thermalize Virginia will help you understand electrification and connect you with vetted contractors to get the work done and help you find any rebates or discounts. Visit thermalizeva.org to learn more and to sign up. And have you been wondering how you get these shout-outs? There are several ways, and there's a whole system that you can look up that's sort of informal on infoseville.com. Go to the top of the page and click on the Support the Info button. 
there you will be taken to a whole list of all of the various ways that these shoutouts happen and that you can help support this program and all of the other products I'm working on. Thank you very much for listening and let's get back to the program. The Charlottesville Planning Commission has recommended approval of a special use permit for additional density at 1000 Monticello Road in the Belmont neighborhood that would allow for 11 units and a small commercial space on the ground floor. A split city council denied a similar permit in February 2021, with the majority expressing concern about adverse impacts on the neighborhood. At the time, five of the units were being proffered as affordable to households and individuals whose incomes are at around 65% of the area's median. This time around, two additional units would be restricted to tenants at 80% of the area median income. Neither of these is required by existing city code. Here's city planner Brian Haluska. This project does not trip the uh, standard in section 3412 of our zoning ordinance, the requirement for affordable housing. So this condition is offered by the applicant uh, above and beyond what is uh, required under our code. The property in question already has an apartment building with 23 units on it that was purchased by Core Real Estate and Development in January of 2018 and then sold to Piedmont Realty Holdings a year later. The special use permit is required for additional residential units on the 0.81 acre property. An existing curb cut into a parking lot would be removed. Kelsey Schlein is with Shimp Engineering. The proposed new building footprint, which will house 11 units and a small commercial tenant space, is proposed um, directly adjacent to the front existing building um, fronting along Monticello Road. Schlein said the project has been brought back because council has since adopted both an affordable housing plan and a comprehensive plan that calls for more housing. And the purpose of the land use section of the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Plan states, land use policies shape where housing is located, what housing looks like, and how much housing is built. Schlein said in this case, the developer would not be seeking any city funds to help subsidize the development. She added the site is within walking distance to eight bus stops and is an example of infill development. The length of the affordability period is at issue. The developer is offering the below market rates for 10 years, but the city wants more. Alex Ikafuna is the interim director of the Office of Community Solutions. I think uh, a 30-year affordability period uh, will be more in line with city policy. And then also uh, the lack of mention of um, their willingness to accept uh, vouchers. The last time this project was before Charlottesville officials, there were several speakers who argued the special use permit should be denied because the rents for the existing units at 1000 Monticello Road were increased. Schlein said the current owner should not be punished. There was a long-time owner, then there was a short-term owner, and now you know, we, have, we have this third owner in place who's been in place since 2018. During the short-term owner, uh, that was in between the current owner and the long-term owner, the previous owner. Um, I believe 11 of the units had already um, gone to a rental rate that was somewhat more of a market rate. Schlein said there are six tenants left at 1000 Monticello Road who are renting below market rate. She said the project would take federal housing vouchers, and she said she knows the city would like to see longer terms, 
but her interpretation of the affordable housing plan is that those would only be triggered by the acceptance of public funds. That's not the case here. So when an applicant utilizes city funds, there should be you know, a standard by which they adhere to. Um, in this case, 10 years is what we can commit to. Councillor Michael Payne voted against the proposal the first time and said at this point of the conversation, he wanted it to be known that Piedmont Holding has displaced some of the former residents. Only one person spoke at the public hearing this time. Brandon Collins worked for the Public Housing Association of Residents when this permit was last before the city. He now works for a government entity, but last night said he was speaking for himself. I'm going to ask you to deny the special use permit for uh, this property. Um, a special use permit um, is going outside of your existing rules. Um, the property already is outside of your existing rules. And in order to do so, um, the uh, you have to show that there's a benefit to the community and that there's not a negative impact on the community. Community. And I think it's really crass to hear the development team talk about their commitment to affordable housing and the affordable housing crisis when this exact property has contributed to the crisis in Charlottesville. However, the commission recommended approval. Here's Commissioner Kareem Habab. I do think it's a good infill proposal. I do like the commercial. I think something creative could happen there. It kind of extends that downtown Belmont feeling. And here's Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg. I'm of the opinion that this is a good project. Um, certainly, if you look at it in a vacuum, um, ignoring the site, uh, it is possibly the best project you can imagine. Um, it's replacing a driveway, a redundant driveway and curb cut uh, with 11 units of housing, um, and seven of them are going to be affordable. Stolzenberg pointed out that council is not permitted by law to consider previous actions by previous owners or the current one as it considers this permit. If we're denying those homes as, as punishment uh, to the property owner, um, when does that punishment end? The commission recommended the special use permit on a five to one vote with Commissioner Jody Lehendro voting against and Commissioner Tania Dowell was not president. The item will go before city council, perhaps at the July 18th meeting. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Wondering if it's awesome about the Lego thing or not. Um, there's a lot of questions each and every day that I have as I produce this, and not all of them get answered. But of course, knowing that there's another one coming soon uh, helps me get through all of this information. If you would like to help keep this program going, there are many ways to do so. I'm just going to say at the top right now at the end here today that the best thing to do is to go to infoseville.com. Take a look. Tell me if it makes sense. I'm still trying to figure out how to get more people to subscribe. Um, mainly my mind infection is to get this thing out as often as possible, which I have done. And I will now get to work on the next one as soon as I hit stop and publish on this one. This is a town crier production that is intended to bring you as much information as I can, as often as I can, and I thank you for that. Thank you to the hundreds of subscribers who are making that possible. Let's see if we can get at least a few more. I am Sean Tubbs. I'll be back in the near future with another installment. Thank you very much, and stay out of trouble out there. Goodbye. Goodbye.